Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You can't have a bank like First Republic go under and then days later tell everybody that the system is solid and sound because you sound ridiculous when you say that, okay? Here's what it says to investors. It makes them nervous. Do you know why it makes them nervous? Because if you're not concerned, you damn well should be. David Rosenberg, what does the outspoken, data-rich, and frequently contrarian economists have to say about the economy and markets now? Funding provided by Clearbridge Investments, First Eagle Investments, Royce Investment Partners, Baird, Matthews Asia, Strategus Asset Management, and Women Investing in Security and Education. Hello and welcome to this edition of WealthTrack. I'm Consuelo Mack. Everybody's asking, where is the recession? It's been over a year since the Federal Reserve started raising interest rates. And as you can see from this chart, this has been the most aggressive Fed tightening cycle over the past 40 years. The rapid full five percentage point rise in interest rates has sprinted ahead of all of the others. There have been 14 Fed hiking cycles in the post-war period and 11 of them landed in recession. The other three, ending in 1966, 1984, and 1995, were so-called soft landings, slowdowns but not contractions. Well, Fed tightening cycles are always followed by some sort of crisis. Is the failure of Silicon Valley Bank and takeover of First Republic the end of this cycle's crisis? Well, for answers, we are delighted to welcome back for our annual deep dive interview, the influential, thought-provoking, and tell-it-like-it-is economist, David Rosenberg, who kindly provided us with those charts and information. Dave Rosenberg is president, chief economist, and strategist at his independent economic consulting firm, Rosenberg Research, which he founded in January of 2020. For the decade before that, he was chief economist and strategist at Canadian asset management firm, Gluskin Sheff. And prior to that, he was chief North American economist at Merrill Lynch, where he was consistently ranked an all-star analyst by institutional investors. His daily Breakfast with Dave newsletter has long been considered a must-read by retail and institutional investors alike. Now, in mid-2022 on WealthTrack, Rosenberg said we were in a recessionary bear market, that inflation would moderate with or without Fed tightening, and the S&P 500 would eventually bottom at 3,100, considerably lower than it was then and is now. So I started by asking him what happened to the recession. The recession is a uh, transition period. Uh, you know, we, when I was last on the call, we were making that transition from late stage expansion uh, towards the recession. And what I was saying at the time, with the stock market uh, having peaked uh, in late uh, 2021, early 2022, and uh, the duration of the bear market, uh, the magnitude of the decline heading into the lows, and looking at the, the cyclical stocks getting hammered the most, uh, were telling us that the stock market, by the way, along with the inverted yield curve, very consistent signals that a recession was coming. 
So uh, very pinpoint, very tough to pinpoint the actual, you know, day, week, month, quarter. But I think the recession is actually in the process of starting either this quarter or next quarter. So we're much closer to it than we were before. There were two, uh, you know, quarters of contraction in 2022 that, you know, most of us who have been around long enough said, well, that's the definition of a recession. But it then it didn't happen, right? Fed Chairman Jay Powell said, this time really is different. And mm. that despite, you know, the most aggressive Fed tightening cycle in 40 years, um, that the labor market is tight and unemployment is at 50-year lows, and he doesn't personally expect a recession. So what's going on? Well, what happened is you did have back-to-back -back quarters of negative GDP prints, and it's really just Wall Street uh, colloquial back-of-the-envelope rule of thumb that you get back-to-back -back quarters of negative GDP, you're in a recession. Right. Uh, that's because that naturally is what happens in a recession, but not all the time. You didn't have back-to-back -back declines in GDP, for example, in 2001, and that was a recession. Um, I mean, the missing link was that employment didn't go down. Mm -hmm. And a uh, recession, technically speaking, from the uh, National Bureau of Economic Research, the NBER, they're the final arbiters of the contours of the business cycle. And it's not really about GDP. It's about really four different indicators, uh, you know, real business sales, industrial production, employment, and uh, real personal incomes, excluding government transfers. And so the missing link was employment, uh, which has continued to go up. And so that's why it wasn't a recession, despite what uh, GDP was doing. Uh, it would have been a little unusual, seriously, to have expected the recession to start in early 2022, when the stock market was just rolling off its peak. The stock market leads by, call it, roughly a year. Uh -huh. uh, so it would have been very unusual to have the stock market lead that quick. Mm -hmm. and, and on top of that, there's about uh, a year, at least a year lag between the time the yield curve inverts, which, by the way, was last summer, and the time the recession starts. It would have been, so we would have had a recession starting ahead of the yield curve inverting. Uh, I, I don't think that's ever happened before. If you follow the traditional time, the lag, then this summer is when we should start to see the economy go negative. Is that right? I think it could be starting right now. Uh, I mm -hmm. mean, we'll have to wait and see. Of course, we'll get the employment numbers, but these employment numbers, of course, will end up getting revised in the future. Uh, and employment's always the last man standing. It's not even unusual to have employment still go up in the opening months of the recession. Well, I'd say half the business cycles going back to 1950, employment still started to, was still going up in the early stages of the recession. So that's not that unusual. Uh, when I'm taking a look at the leading indicators, stock market, and I, I'm looking at market signals. Markets are always ahead of the economy in both directions. Mm -hmm. Stock market, especially looking at uh, the ratio of cyclical stocks to defensive stocks, looking at the yield curve, looking, for example, at the real bellwether. Uh, and sometimes I feel like I'm going to talk myself out of a job or talk economists out of a job because the conference board has the leading economic indicator uh, which goes all the way back to 1959, an impeccable right. track record. By the way, uh, the yield curve is one of the uh, factors in there. It's got market indicators. It's got macroeconomic indicators. It is a true leading indicator. Uh, why people are getting head faked is the lagging indicators are still going up, and that's what the Fed's looking at. The coincident indicators are going up, but have actually started to level off. But the leading indicators, if you're, if you're driving the bus looking through the front window, the leading indicators 
peaked in December 2021. They're down 12 wow. months in a row. It leads both whether you're looking at the median or the mean, and the data is back to 1959. So we have at least seven cycles to look at. Your, your headline to clients has been for months now, the business cycle has not been repealed. <laughs> It's not well, and 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 these are uh, centrifugal forces over time. These sine waves that intersect with each other, the market cycle, the interest rate cycle, the economic cycle—they're all intertwined and they're all joined at the hip. So no, it's not different. Uh, you know, maybe the best economist of all time was a physicist, otherwise known as Albert Einstein, who famously said that the power of compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world. Interest rates matter, mm -hmm. uh, and we just came off the biggest interest rate shock in a 12-month span, 500 basis points uh, since 1981. We know 1981 was followed by 1982. Uh, and we're a much more right. leveraged economy now than we were back then. If you looked at hours work, the hours work data, which nobody looks at, I just do it because it's fun. Uh, you, you, no, you looked at the hours work data, you think, you know, we're in a recession. And then you say, oh, well, but the actual employment hasn't followed suit yet. But you see, what leads what? What's the, the chicken or the egg here? Well, the hours worked are telling you that the corporate sector right now, they're like they're like the little boy with the finger in the dike. You know, they are not letting their people go. Mm -hmm. um, uh, to quote Moses to Pharaoh, not letting my people go, but they will be compelled to do that. And that's what the hours worked are telling you is that we're at a turning point in the labor market in the next couple of months. But once you start to see the whites of the eyes of actual employment contracting, right. uh, that's what that's when this debate over soft landing. Uh, or hard landing, a hard landing being a recession, that's when there will be much more, I think, acknowledgement uh, that a recession has already arrived. And then the Fed will be cutting interest rates as it always does. And look, this isn't actually a purposeful, oh, be a, be a big bad bear, be a big bad bear. No, it's an acknowledgement that, you know, every expansion was followed by recession. Uh, every recession was followed by expansion. Every expansion is followed, they're joined at the hip. It's like bull markets and bear markets, they exist. How critical are you now of, of the Fed uh, in the fact that we're 10 interest rate hikes in? I'm shocked because it was just uh, two years ago, not even, where you know rates are at zero. And, 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 and I would say 100%, they stayed too accommodative too long. But right. as if we haven't seen that from the Fed before, and they create these, you know, boom-bust cycles. Mm -hmm. he, he's leading the transitory inflation. Then all of a sudden, he's he's the new Volcker. He's Volcker on steroids. But really, raising rates every single meeting, 500 basis points in a year. You see, it's not just uh, the magnitude of the shock. It was just compressed into such a short time period. And and he didn't give people enough time to prepare. You see what I'm saying? This was this was a, this was a 180 degree turn that we've never seen before. We've seen central banks change their mind, but he went from Bambi to Godzilla in a heartbeat. You see, that's what's happening in the banks right now. Everybody was braced for sustained low interest rates. Right. Everybody was braced Lower for, for inflate, and we all knew inflation was going up, and he was telling us it's going to go up and come down. And guess what? Inflation is coming down, and inflation is not like. A hot knife through butter. It, it's a it, it's a process. But inflation peaked at nine percent last June. It's down to five. Meanwhile, wide swaths of the commodity markets are either in correction phase or they are in a bear market. Look what freight rates and transportation costs are doing. So uh, the bottom line here is that the the shock you see everybody was taking him at his word. We had no time to prepare. All these all these banks that they say well they're mismatched in their their deposits and their liabilities. 
They, well, they had no time, no no time to prepare. No time to adjust. Like, what are you going to adjust to right now? Yeah, like the thing is that when you go back and if you take the Fed at their word, okay, you take the Fed at their word, and this comes down to credibility, because how can you believe anything that they say? But here's what I'll say is that we have not seen all those lags yet. I'm okay. trying to say to go back, go back to they raise rates from one to five and a quarter, oh four to oh six. They pause in the spring and summer of 06 under Bernanke. And then everybody says, oh, sigh of relief, they pause. Think of all the stuff that happened the next two years because of all the lags. Right. And what's 07, happening now, 08. well, mm -hmm. I think what's happening now is a lot like the late 1980s savings loan crisis. But when you think about it, all these regional banks that are under so much pressure right now, it's sort of like that's just chapter one. Are you saying that we are kind of in a similar, that because of the Fed rate hikes that have been so aggressive and so steep and so quick that we have created a situation where we could be we're going to have these rolling crises that could be the kind of the equivalent of 0708 at least in the regional banking sector or yes yes that's okay. exactly that's exactly okay. what i'm saying you know right. the, the the reality is that everything is being reset to a much higher interest rate environment Yes. And so these regional banks got caught offside. We're, we're learning. We're learning in this cycle now. We're always learning something new in every cycle that all of a sudden deposits are not sticky forms of capital uh, for smaller financial institutions, which, by the way, the country needs. Right. We need the smaller financial institutions. Well, because they they serve small who do they serve? They, do sure they they right. serve small businesses that otherwise couldn't go get loans from Jamie yeah. Dimon and Brian Moynihan. So yes, they are the bedrock. The community mm -hmm. banks are the, are the bedrock, absolutely. And so basically, um, uh, is the Fed they're supervising these banks? Uh, we find out all these uh, unrealized losses. Oh, it's all the banks ma bad management, bad management. They 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 were mismanaged, mismatched between the deposits. And their assets, well, they always are. We had a massive interest rate shock. And um, and so this is the, the net result. The Fed did not actually give you a whole lot of time to repair. Despite what Jamie Dimon says, or despite what Jay Powell says, um, the banking system is not strong and resilient. How concerned are you about the banking system? And how concerned should we be? And what do we do uh, as investors? You can't have a bank like First Republic go under, and then days later, tell everybody that the system is solid and sound. Because you, you, you sound ridiculous when you say that, okay? Here's what it says to investors. It makes them nervous. You know why it makes them nervous? Because if you're not concerned, you damn well should be. Now, okay, uh, oh, is Bank America and Wells Fargo and JP Morgan and Morgan Stanley? Well, yeah, they're, they're sound and they're solid, sure. Is, is, is that the story here? Is that the story or is the story that we just lost in short order uh, three, three regional banks? Right. Which, big, and there's, these, the small banks. banks aren't small anymore. Mm -hmm. And you've seen what's happened with the equity prices of a lot of these other, okay, there's, there's uh, not a deposit run, but the stock market's behaving as though they're concerned that there will be deposit runs at these other banks. We have a crisis of confidence in a critical part of the financial system. And the chief central banker, well, let me ask you the question: Did he express a whole lot of concern uh, no. at the press? No, and that's and that's what I mean. So uh, I, I, yeah, I think that we 
are going to, at a minimum, and I'm not talking, this isn't like, this isn't 0809. We're not fighting the last war. In 0809, we weren't fighting a dot-com technology deflation crisis. And in, in the dot-coms, we weren't fighting the savings and loan collapse. No, we're, we're fighting deposit runs. We're, that's what we're fighting is bank runs, right? And a general loss of confidence. And if right. you lose your deposits at a bank, even if you're a well-run bank, uh, you're out of business. Mm -hmm. Now, there's other things that can be done. Uh, I don't know why the government, no, I think they would need Congress for just announced blanket deposit insurance, blanket unlimited deposit insurance. Um, but no, what, what did they do? What did they do? They say, okay, we are going to insure your deposits oh, so long as your financial institution is system uh, poses systemic risk. Right. Then we'll, oh, well, then all of a sudden, you want to go and put your deposits in those banks that are systemic risk, and those are the big banks because Goldman Sachs and Morgan Stanley, uh, and th that would be systemic risk. So, uh, but it's creating a tremendous amount of instability. Mm -hmm. uh, you're going to have, I think, at a minimum coming out of this because there's lots of uncertainty. The one thing that um, Jay Powell didn't say so much at this meeting, but he said back on March 22nd extensively, uh, he actually seemed more concerned back then, and that was after Silicon Valley, um, that um, we, we don't know the extent of the magnitude uh, or the duration of this credit shock, but he was sure that we're going to be having a credit shock, which is actually a deflationary event mm -hmm. and has pernicious downward impacts on aggregate demand growth. I think at a minimum, uh, we're going to be going through a credit contraction. The savings and loan crisis, well, you know, that was a three-quarter recession wasn't the end of the world, uh, classic bear market in stocks, uh, and uh, but we had a very muted recovery. You remember going into 1992-93, already two to three years after the recession technically ended, Alan Greenspan was still talking about 60 mile an hour headwinds. Mm -hmm. um, so that's what this looks like to me, and that was a prolonged period of uh, consolidation in a key part of the bank system. And we're gonna, we're gonna be seeing more of that now. We're gonna be seeing consolidation uh, the banks are naturally going to be a lot more cautious about extending credit uh, to the private sector. I think that the most creditworthy borrowers are going to be fine. So what is my new reality as an investor? How is this going to affect the markets, the stock market and the bond market? And, you know, and how do I invest through this period? Well, he's going to, no, he'll be changing his mind. Okay. I mean, I'm just, look at, I'm not a psychologist, but I know how to study behavior. Economics actually is the study of behavior. It's a right. social so, science. It's, well, look, what he, in 2018, he's Darth Vader. 2019, did anybody say he's, he's going to cut rates three times and reopen the balance sheet? No. Then 2020, 2021, he's targeting like, you know, minority and female and youth unemployment rates. He's like, uh, he's he became, after the pandemic, he was, he, he was the country's resident social worker. Then mm -hmm. all of a sudden, oh. From Bambi to Godzilla. So what I'm saying is that he'll he'll be singing a different tune in the second half of the year in 2024. So I think that uh, if you're an equity investor, uh, be in the defensive sectors, the sectors that won't hurt you in a recession. That could be consumer staples. It could be healthcare. It could be utilities. Be very mindful of what's called the beta uh, or the uh, degree of of risk and cyclicality that you have in the portfolio. But I'd say so, so anything uh, that's, that, that is sensitive to GDP the economy, sensitive. Yeah. right, just don't right. own, don't, don't own. Um, and, and I know long treasury bonds, you, you thought because you think that the Fed's going to cut rates, that long term interest rates will come down, right, as well, because the economy is going to slow. So are you still 
ad advising owning long-term treasury bonds as well? I do. I, I think okay. that what's, what's going to happen, the Fed's going to pause. You know, I, I saw this person being interviewed today uh, and she says, well, it's a pause, but not a pivot. Well, unless there's a, a, a true financial calamity like, you know, October 1987, you know, or long-term capital or a pandemic, the, the Fed is a very slow-moving, incremental institution. So to say, well, it's a pause, not a pivot, of course. They usually wait six months before they start cutting rates, and the bond market's ahead of it. Look, at bond yields mm -hmm. have been coming down for the past six months. Right. Um, the yield curve is ultimately going to go back to what it normally does 85% of the time. It will go and revert to a more positive shape that will mm -hmm. require the Fed to cut interest rates. So the whole yield curve is going to come down. Okay. So I like the long bond uh, because of the the fact that the ECB and maybe the BOJ and the Bank of England will still be playing some catch up. Even as the Fed is on hold, these central banks will be raising interest rates. It's going to create more of an allure for their currencies. So I think the right. US dollar, which has already been sputtering, is going to sputter further. All, all you have to know about gold is this. The two most powerful correlations, real interest rates, which are going to be coming down, and the US dollar which will continue to come down. I think gold goes to new highs. We're actually very close to that as we speak. So it's the uh, I, and it's because I also love alliteration. So the the bond bullion barbell is my preferred strategy right now. Right. So on, on one end have to have long treasury bonds, on the other end invest in some gold. And and you personally are doing what with your portfolio at this point? Well, I have the lowest share, uh, the lowest uh, the lowest proportion of my asset mix in equities since guess when 2007 mm -hmm. yeah less than 20 percent uh, in equities uh, but again in 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 defensive areas uh, I have uh, call it um, you know roughly 30 percent uh, in bonds 30 mm -hmm. percent in cash five percent in gold uh, and my last move in gold was actually buying gold coins and storing mm -hmm. them at the Canadian Royal Mint mm -hmm. uh, and because uh, I like the portability uh, and uh, the rest uh, is in um, alternatives and mostly uh, market neutral long short strategies that again are not correlated uh, with the economy or with the stock market. Dave, one investment for a long term diversified portfolio. What should we all own some of in a long term diversified portfolio? You know, one of our longer term things, well, there's a couple of things. I would say farmland, agriculture, uh, very important because of. Uh, Security of supply. Uh, so I think I think agriculture. But how do you buy that stuff? There's ETFs, uh, uh -huh. you know, and uh, and you can actually go out if you're willing to sacrifice liquidity and go out and buy farmland. Right. Well, it, that that it, that's not a practical option for most of us. No, but some somebody that we both know well, Peter Bookvar, uh, actually told me the 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 money that he's been investing uh, in the Midwest uh, in farmland. So I mentioned mm -hmm. in my daily. Uh, and, and it was like I was inundated, inundated with, can you introduce, introduce me to Peter? I would say, look, aerospace defense, cybersecurity, uh, you know, the green technologies. Uh, I mean, these are all long-term thematics. Uh, energy, uh, energy, I'd say both old energy, new energy. Uh, I think that you want to be involved uh, in under undercapitalized, underinvested sectors. So uh, I like energy. Uh, I like food. Uh, I mean, I like the things that you actually need in your life, not the things that you want. So, right. uh, you know, so, you know, there's parts of uh, so consumer discretionary, you know, gadgets and uh, clothing and restaurants. So that this, uh, the, the reopening trade is pretty well run its course. 
But those are the areas, aerospace defense, because military budgets are going up everywhere, uh, agriculture and energy. And those are those are the buckets I think you want to have long-term thematic uh, that resides outside the vagaries of the business cycle. And look, this time next year when we're talking, we'll be talking about Fed cutting, positive slope yield curve, and economic recovery. And I will be bullish. <laughs> Yes, you will, Dave Rosenberg, when that day comes. You've been there before. Nobody ever believes me when I do, but you heard it here first. Perma bear to perma bull 12 months from now. That's my call. I'm sticking to it. Thank you so much, Dave. Always a pleasure to have you on Wealth Track. Thank you very much. Thank you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. At the close of every wealth truck, we try to give you one suggestion to help you build and protect your wealth over the long term. This week's Action Point follows up on advice Dave Rosenberg has given us every time caution signals are flashing in the economy and markets, and they are definitely flashing now. It is own some safe haven investments in your portfolio, cash for protection and to redeploy when stock prices decline, long-term treasuries, they're the world's safe haven investment of choice because of their liquidity and still valid assumption that their interest payments will be made and principal paid upon maturity. Bond yields always decline in recessions. That means bond prices go up. Depending upon your time horizon, 10-year or 30-year maturities will benefit the most as rates decline. And of course, there is gold. For those of you really concerned about the uncertainty in the world today, that is the go-to asset. Rosenberg owns gold coins in his portfolio. A much easier option is one of the older and established gold ETFs, like the Spider Gold Shares ETF, symbol GLD, or the iShares Gold Trust ETF, symbol IAU. Price matters and gold is trading near historic highs, so this is not an optimum time to load up. But having some safe havens at a time of heightened financial and geopolitical uncertainty is a prudent move. Next week, we will tackle long-lasting market-shaping investment themes with Savita Subramanian. It's part two of our interview with this top-rated strategist at B of A Global Research. In this week's extra feature, the pressures brought to bear on bears. Dave Rosenberg shares his firsthand experience on why Wall Street doesn't like negative market views. Please continue to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and our YouTube channel. Thanks for tuning in. Enjoy your weekend and make the week ahead a healthy, profitable, and productive one.